Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Deeper Daily Podcast for the 25th day of January. I'm Paul White. It's a Tuesday. That means we have Tuesday night Bible study here in Flowery Branch, Georgia. And while that, I know, is irrelevant to most of you that cannot make that journey, it could be relevant to all of you who can most certainly listen. We put on Wednesdays, we put up wherever you watch or listen to Anything put out by our ministry, whether it's YouTube or our website or Facebook or wherever you're listening to this podcast, you'll have available to you our Tuesday evening Bible study. It is usually between 50 minutes and an hour. And uh, it is, I have having so much fun with the Sermon on the Mount. I go into it every week with this enormous amount of wrestling and then walk out with Nothing solved, but a heart that's at peace, and then a few more wrestlings to get into. And I'm having a lot of fun with that. If you've missed out on that, just check out the last seven or eight weeks worth of our midweeks. You can just go back every Wednesday as you scroll back or wherever you're watching or listening and, uh, and pick up on all of these from our look at the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, Genesis 22, Abraham and Isaac are up Mount Moriah. Isaac is actually laying on the altar. Abraham pulls the knife back in the air. God says, Abraham, Abraham. Anytime you get double usage of word of pronouns in the Bible, Old Testament or New Testament, special emphasis. Absalom, Absalom. Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem. Abraham, Abraham. You're, you're hearing the cry of the desperate. And that's God. The cry of the desperate at Mount Moriah, desperate to get through to Abraham, that his love is so great he does not ask of Abraham what only God himself can provide. And there's a call going forth in the new covenant that is much the same. God yelling your name twice because he wants you to know that there's nothing you can offer that God is not going to offer in a better way. That's Jesus on the cross. Yesterday, we promised you that we would take a look at this through the lens of two New Testament writers. Those writers are James and Paul. James, most likely the first book written in the New Testament, and most certainly the earliest version of organized Christianity that we have in writing would be the epistle of James. He's writing to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. He doesn't even think to write to anyone not Jewish in his letter. He doesn't mention Jesus very often. He mentions grace very little. For James, he's writing to a people who have their foundation in Judaism, but who have come to faith in Christ. And he writes it through a lens of someone who has not seen or heard some of the things that we read in the writings of the Apostle Paul. These, to me, are undeniable facts. James doesn't sound like Paul because James doesn't walk in Paul's revelation. History has chosen Paul over James. Scholars will tell you there would have been great conflict between the style of Christianity being espoused by James and most likely Peter than that which was espoused by the Apostle Paul and people like Barnabas and Silas and Timothy. 
and James and Peter's version looks a lot more like Judaism with a Messiah, whereas Paul's version looks very little like Judaism, though his writings are colored with Jewish thoughts, phrases, scriptures, and ideas. Sometimes Paul even struggles to get away from some of the ideas. In his brighter moments, he sings the song of the New Testament. In other moments, he seems to hold clingingly to some Old Testament, Old Covenant patterns of existence. I love that about these guys. It makes them human. It helps us to relate to them. To me, it doesn't hurt or undermine the integrity of the Scriptures. It simply gives them character and color. And one of the reasons I say that is because I am neither a disciple of James, nor am I a disciple of Paul. I am a disciple of Jesus because I've had my own personal revelation of His love and the resurrected Christ in me. I can use what James knew about Jesus and what Paul knew about Jesus to help inform me. But... I can't follow their version. I can't be a disciple of the Jesus Paul preached or the Jesus James preached. And it doesn't work for you either. It doesn't work. It didn't work in the Bible. One time, someone tried to cast out a devil in the book of Acts by quoting Paul, by saying, we command you to come out in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. And it didn't work. Why not? Because it doesn't work to follow the Jesus whom James preaches or whom Paul preaches. So when we get into the specifics of these guys, you have to remember that we are not followers of these guys. It's also okay to let them disagree. Let me show you how much they disagree. And I want to read Paul, then I want to read James. And we'll lock in on James a little bit. I know I'm going to run out of time. So tomorrow we'll really lock in on James using context. And then we'll jump back the next day and look at Paul. Here's, let's start with Paul. You're, this is going to sound very familiar because you've been in G- at Genesis 22. You've been working with Abraham going up that mountain. Listen to Romans chapter 4 verse 1. What shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? If Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. Okay, what did Paul say? Abraham, if Abraham was justified by works, he'd have something to boast about. He believed God, God counted him for righteousness. That's Romans chapter 4. Here's James chapter 2. Verse 21, was not Abraham our father justified by works? When he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar, do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? But the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed in God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Direct opposite of what Paul says in Romans 4 is what James says in James 2. How do we handle this? We go back to what I said. We start by going back to what I said at the beginning. Different understandings of Jesus coming out of different mouthpieces. I think what you'll find over the next couple of days is that yes, 
they disagree in the way they say it. But I want to land on, a, on something that allows us to learn something from both men. And it's not just who's right and who's wrong, but multiple ways to see the same problem. Will you do that with me? I think we're going to have a fun few days. We'll get started by digging into the context of James's statement tomorrow, and I'll see you then. God bless.